0: That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 2927, How to Become Less Uptight in Two Minutes by David Kane of raptitude.com. And I'm Justin Mollick, the guy who's been reading to you every day, including holidays since 2015. And we're gonna keep that up, so let's get right to it and continue optimizing your life. How to Become Less Uptight in two minutes by David Kane of raptitude.com. The classic advice for public speaking nerves is to picture the crowd in their underwear. I wonder if the person who invented that ever tried it. I find it immediately increases the tension of a speaking situation. It makes you more aware of what's at stake, the possibility of embarrassment for the audience too. What does work, is to picture the room around you as it was at 4 a.m., empty and silent. Nobody there to need any particular thing to happen or not happen. This simple thought makes it clear that the room itself is harmless, and so is speaking into it. Filling it with people changes that sense a little, but not so much that it feels dangerous. The mental image of an inert room shrinks the prospect of speaking from a frantic story in your mind down to its bare bones again, people in a room, one of them talking. It becomes obvious that however the talk goes, life will continue afterward. The room will be quiet again with no trace of your forgotten lines or botched intro, if they even happened. Even if you never speak to a room full of people, this ability to shift your view of a particular scene in this way is quite useful. You can reduce the stressful effects of lines, crowds, busy subway platforms and family gatherings just by imagining that same space as it might feel with no people in it, either the previous night at 4 a.m. or a century from now when it's a dusty ruin. Back in the present, suddenly the place isn't so threatening or intolerable. It's just what it is to the senses alone, a space with people in it, and the mind is only adding commentary. This remarkable little exercise works because, Our feelings towards the moment we're in typically have little to do with the scene itself. Instead, we're wrapped up in our own internal narrative around it. You round the corner to see a line at the food court and the mind immediately begins circulating what it means for your own interests, your schedule, your caloric intake today, your chances of getting a table. Your feelings respond to all of this commentary. The sight of your office floor immediately summons to mind your responsibilities to your boss, your rung on the ladder, how close it currently is to Friday at 4.30, and all the existential weight of your story as an almost middle-aged project manager, unsure of how well he's really doing at all this. All this symbolism obscures what is actually being experienced. fluorescent lights, the hum of copiers, idle chatter, the gray patterned carpeting, people looking at electronic screens, the bare facts of the moment, what life actually looks and sounds like right now, are drowned out and missed. By the time we're adults, we tend to experience most moments in term of their apparent value to our story. We barely get a second of seeing a moment unfold before the mind has stamped it, good, more of this please, or bad, avoid, or who cares, this does nothing for me. And this tendency is painful because it means we always have our emotional well being tied off to dozens of moving parts and we control so few of them. Anything topples the wrong way or threatens to, and it hurts the heart. That's why it's hugely liberating to imagine that stressful room as it might have looked in the dead of night with nobody around. Seeing that version of the same moment creates relief because the scene is now stripped of your story and our stress is tied to the story, not the scene. The ultimate in stripping your story from your experience is to view a present moment scene as though your story has ended. You've passed on, yet you still get to see the world unfold right now. Just take two minutes and watch the people going by, the traffic noises, the falling leaves, as though it's all happening on its own a year or so after your life has ended. Suddenly, you can see it as it would be without any need for it to happen a certain way. It can just be like it is, which it is anyway. This reflection is best done in a public place like a park, a square, or an airport terminal, anywhere you can see the human world carrying on. When you can view the world, even for a moment, as it will be when you have no story left to fret over, nothing left to control, you discover something interesting aside from the story in your head, life is okay as it is. Don't be alarmed, but when you die, the world will continue on just fine without you. A few people will be sad, some of the tiny proportion of people who were aware you were even alive, but beyond that, the ripples will disappear into the pond pretty quickly. So if that's the only certainty in life, maybe we don't need to be so uptight about having everything just so in the meantime. Just sit there and really look at it go. The people, the wind, the clouds, carrying on forever, with or without you. After just a minute or two of this kind of uninvolved observation, it becomes clear that your story was never an essential part of the whole world. It was merely incidental, even if it was pretty interesting. It's not that it doesn't matter at all, but it's not the only thing that matters, as it so often seems to be. As you watch the world carry on around you, it's quite easy to imagine you're not really there because as you'll notice, nobody's paying attention to you anyway. There's so much human energy being expended out there and so little of it has anything to do with your seemingly all important story. You get a healthy sense of the spectacular indifference the world has towards your personal needs. And oddly, this is a great relief. In life, you'll do your best or maybe just do your best to do your best. And in any case, it's fundamentally okay. The world can and eventually will exist entirely without your story, without you there to ache for things to always be falling your way. This exercise is humbling in all the right ways. It can even be a bit embarrassing to realize that you may have for decades now never looked at the world as anything other than the place where my life happens. You don't need to pretend you've died in order to let a moment unfold just as it is, but it helps you get used to what that kind of freedom might be like. Then when you go back to being in the world normally, it might feel more exhilarating than difficult and more interesting than alarming. It won't feel so important to control every little corner of it. You can let it be what it is a lot of the time, while gently trying to make things go your way without ever quite needing them to. In every moment you experience without that neediness, you are free. You just listen to the post titled, How to Become Less Uptight in Two Minutes by David Kane of raptitude.com. Thank you to David. This week has been a lot about optimizing our best qualities didn't happen on purpose but just randomly worked out that way but anyway i thought it was funny when he talked about picturing the audience in their underwear and that helping with a speech i agree i don't think it helps what i did find helpful was this quote from david our feelings towards the moment we're in typically have little to do with the scene itself instead we're wrapped up in our own internal narrative around it and it's so true Things can be chaotic around us, but we feel calm, and vice versa. It's what our minds are choosing to do in the situation. I'm gonna steal a little something my brother talked about a little while back on the Optimal Health Daily podcast. If you don't believe in the power of this mind trick that David talked about, with mental images of an empty room actually lowering our stress, just think about the times you've only thought about a stressful event, like a speech, or death, or a job interview, anything like that, and surely your heart rate increased. That's a simple example of how powerful the mind is. Or imagine right now biting into a super sour lemon. Really think about sinking your teeth into that lemon straight from a tree. Are you salivating yet? Again, it's all in the mind. Our minds are crazy powerful. We just have to figure out a way to make it work for us, instead of against us. And with that, have a great start to your weekend if you're listening in real time, and I'll be back tomorrow, where your optimal life awaits.